Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McClain, here along with uh, uh, the, the Eagles, uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, foursome of uh, Eagles beat reporters back from vacation. Paul Domowich, Les Bowen, EJ Smith, everybody say hello. 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 How's it going? Good to be back, guys. Uh, unfortunately, we do not yet have football, typically uh, at this time. I think we probably, Eagles would have reported today. Is that correct? Uh, yes, the rookies. Yeah. Thursday. But rookies have reported, though. They're, they're they, there. Well, they have reported. That's correct. But they have all gone home, I guess, because we have to find out if they have uh, the coronavirus. But uh, we'll get into all that, all those details, those juicy details about what's going to happen over the next few weeks and, and what could possibly happen um, as we get in closer to the start of training camp and the regular season. Let's start with what's actually happening. Uh, the you know the NFL and the NFLPA are still kind of hammering out an agreement uh, to get players back in the team to, to start practicing, but this is going to be a long process, and yeah, which which you know is understandable considering all the implications and and certainly all the variables at place. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took a while for the NBA and the NHL to figure out their return to their seasons and the same goes for major league baseball that took a little bit longer. Um, and I think the NFL has done a fairly good job, but uh, I guess Domo, maybe we'll start with you because you, I guess you've probably been doing the most writing on this. Uh, can you fill in some of the viewers and certainly they, some of them keeping tabs of what's going on, but um, what has happened and what needs to happen for the Eagles to start practicing sometime soon? Well, I mean, everybody's got to pass their COVID tests. Uh, I believe the rookies, uh, you had it in your story today, the specific day, uh, day, days. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they took the test once. I believe they've got to pass another test before they actually are cleared. Uh, for the most part, I, I think the, the rookies right now are just sitting in a hotel uh, waiting for their next test. And the same thing's going to happen with, the, you know, once the veterans report as well. Uh, then there's an acc- a long, a very long acclimation period, uh, you know, that's going to, you know, start with uh, strength and conditioning. Uh, then on the, you know, I think that lasts what twelve days, maybe. Well, I, um, I don't. They they haven't really come to agreement on that. It sounds like yeah. the league wants ten days, the players want twenty-one days. Yeah, and then light workouts and helmets. I mean, we're looking at first padded practice, probably. Uh, yeah, and this is assuming all things go right, uh, probably, you know, sometime middle to late next month. So, like you said, we're not going to be seeing much of practices uh, for, for a while. Uh, you know, it's understandable. The NFLPA feels that, um, you know, the players, unlike 2011, when players were able to work out during the spring, when during the lockout, you know, this year, except for players like Lane Johnson, who has his own uh, freaking uh, uh, workout facility on his ranch in Dallas and, and players like that, uh, most of them were having to kind of, you know, you, you know, lift jugs in their house and, and, you know, weights that they had. I mean, so they're, they're not in particularly good shape, probably the worst they've, shape they've been in since, uh, you know, they've been playing football. So that's going to take a lot. You know, you don't want to hurry guys like that back because then you're going to have tissue injuries and everything else so they're the union wants to take this real real slow the 
the, the management understands that they don't, they don't want to start to, you know, they're, they're already worried about half the team having, uh, you know, coronavirus when the season starts. Last thing they want to do is have another dozen guys with hamstring injuries. So this is going to be like baby steps. Right. And it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, what percentage of players do test positive for the coronavirus and, and how that affects, uh, each team's ability to, to hold practices. I mean, if it's a large number of players uh, at any yeah. any particular team, I mean, how can you have practice? It looks like it sounds like rosters are going to be 80 as opposed to 90 yeah. because there isn't going to be a preseason. There really isn't much of a need to have large numbers. And, and yeah. that, you know, EJ, you kind of touched on that uh, earlier this week. And, and looking at one segment of, of the roster, obviously undrafted rookies are going to be affected, but, but how does this affect uh, the entire roster in terms of no preseason practices starting late in the season and guys coming back, particularly not in the best shape of their careers? Well, you know, Damo just touched on the injury risk, and that's definitely a big part of it for some of the veteran guys and, you know, players in general just kind of needing that time to get acclimated. You know, it's like everybody always says, like, there's no way to get in football shape without just playing football. Um so that's probably the biggest part for veterans. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them are happy to not have the preseason um, just because, you know, they don't really get as much out of it. But, yeah, as I wrote earlier this week, there are, are a lot of guys from who were on last year's roster who wouldn't have made the roster, presumably, if they didn't have such strong preseasons. You know, guys like Deshaun Hall um, really came to mind as, like, that's a guy who, you know, we weren't sure that there would even be a spot for him even after he had such a great preseason um, just because, you know, I think they carried six defense events um, on the first week one uh, 53-man roster. But, um, you know, there are just a lot of guys at the, toward the bottom of the roster who, you know, this season's just not going to be kind to them because even if they were to have really strong training camps, it's, it's kind of like, well, we might really need somebody to step up if we have somebody get sick midseason, if we can't trust you to play. You know, if, maybe if you're a developmental player like, you know, Jordan Mailata, you know, it's harder to see him being on the roster this year if he's not going to be able to contribute if there's an injury or somebody gets sick. Um, so it's just going to be really interesting to see, you know, this roster that was supposed to get younger and, you know, more athletic. Um, you know, the younger part of it might be more difficult because, again, you can't have so many developmental players who won't be like who won't be uh, able to participate or won't be able to contribute this year. So. I'm sure. I'm sure this whole – the way it's playing out is factored in the Eagles' decision to bring Jason Peters back, uh, obviously for, for reasons other than what I'm stating right now, but this is a guy that knows the offense, knows everything about the team. He'll be able to step in and, and play right away, and I, I think you may see the Eagles sign more guys like that as we get closer to the start of the season because, again, the rookies uh, just haven't had this period of being on the field uh, grass time, as, as Doug Peterson likes to likes to call it, and Les, you were around obviously in 2011 during the lockout, yep. and this is a different dynamic. But what we saw then was because free agency didn't start until they came uh, to an agreement and ended the lockout. Guys like Evan Mathis, who worked his tail off that off season and was able to make up ground on on free agents who maybe didn't take advantage of the, the time away, uh, didn't come back in the best shape. He ended up being you know a starting spot after a few weeks uh in camp and it'll be interesting to see which guys come back in shape and which don't i remember LaShawn mccoy came i remember looking at him at, at july i went to his he had a kind of a uh 
something for his foundation out in Harrisburg. I was like, oh, my God, dude, you, you look as heavy as I've ever seen you. Uh, he was able to get back in shape relatively fast that season. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what guys look like when we finally get around, around to seeing them on the field. Yeah, the thing I remember about that period the most, uh, Jeff, is uh, the chaotic nature of the evaluation process. You mentioned Evan Mathis. You know, he was like an afterthought, uh, a guy they sort of signed just because he was there and they had plenty of money to spend. They signed all these, everybody knows the story, all these top names who really didn't fit into what they were trying to do. Some of them were completely washed up. Some of them, you know, just weren't good. Uh, they had bad ideas about how they were going to use these guys. Uh, but there were, the first, I remember there's a guy, I don't think anybody else remembers, Ryan Harris, who was an offensive lineman. He was very good, (laughs) and he actually ended up playing several more years in the league, but somehow he came right through the Eagles without, you know, nobody even, it was just, it was chaos. They didn't really have time to think everything through the way you think things through in a normal offseason, and I just wonder if we're going to see a lot of that kind of stuff in this situation. Uh, It's just going to be so hard with the rookies which, you know, when, when the offseason began, the Eagles did start this youth movement. They clearly expected to play a lot of rookies and depend on a lot of rookies this season. I just don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, and to, not to monopolize the time, but to skip right to another topic here, we, we all noted that uh, Pro Football Focus uh, rated the Eagles linebacking core 27th in the league this week. Um, it occurs to me off of what Dama was saying, you know, Nigel Bradham is just sitting out there somewhere. You know, there's going to be a lot of uh, that sort of thing. You know, it's, you can't come in here with no spring work and no preseason games and really think, okay, we're going to put this untested, untried guy uh, right next to this other untested, untried guy, and we're just going to play and yeah. see what happens in the regular season. That just isn't uh, – position coaches and coordinators are not going to be happy doing that. You, you bring up a valid point about Nigel Bradham, and I, I mentioned you could see the Eagles sign guys like that. And, look, I mean, the Eagles aren't alone in having you know to rely on young players this season. So I, I don't want to make it seem like the Eagles are – you know, have much more of a dire situation than most teams. I would say the teams that have new coaches and new front offices and uh, have more roster turnover are probably uh, have a difficult task ahead of them. But the Eagles do have a, a number of players, young players, that they're going to have to rely on. And I think the most prominent of them is Andre Dillard. And this is a guy yeah. that is now the starting left tackle. And certainly signing Jason Peters allows for them to have somebody in-house who can step into that role. But, you know – he needed the importance of this offseason cannot be understated for his development at that position. I think the same could be said for guys like JJ Arcega Whiteside. Uh, you know, you Jalen Rager is going to play right away, first round pick as a, as a, you know, as a rookie. But you know, how much you know, how much is is no offseason and then having to come in later and have no preseason going to affect these guys? Damo. Well, I mean, Doug, Doug Peterson made it clear as early as right after the draft when he realized that OTAs probably were not going to happen, that, that rookies in large part were not going to be making, he couldn't count on them this year. Uh, like you said, Rager will play. I'm 
we don't know for sure how, how quickly he, he's still got to learn the offense. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, this is, you're largely going to have to rely on guys who are coming back, uh, who have, who know this offense, who don't, uh, because I mean, it's going to, the, the fact that there are no preseason games helps in one way in, in respect to you're going to have more time to work with them uh, and walk through with them on, on learning the schemes and the, and the offense and the defense downside is, you know, the, these guys aren't going to get a chance obviously to, to play in games and show you what they can do. So you're going to be making a lot of projections based on a, a lot of walkthroughs and, and what you saw of them in college. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's going to be an, and then on top of that, I mean, you, you can plan all this, you can plan on counting on your veterans. Uh, and then you're going to find out on a Friday in a lot of towns, you know, three guys tested positive and they're not going to be playing Sunday. So, I mean, it's just, this is going to be such a chaotic season. There is no way to, I, I think, no matter how smart you are or think you are to, to try to project who's going to be standing at the end is, is ludicrous because you, you just aren't going to know, you know, what teams are, are going to get hit by this virus, uh, which teams aren't uh, in addition to regular injuries. So it's, it's, but I, but I think with respect to the rookies, I, you're going to see, fewer rookies make significant contributions this year in the NFL as a whole than you've ever seen probably in the last 30 years. Yeah. And it, it makes me, you know, not to bemoan this topic, but, and I don't know if this factored in the Eagles decision to, to not part ways with Deshaun Jackson, but you know, that's a guy that you're going to have to rely on maybe a little bit more than they thought they would have had to had, Things been normal. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, EJ. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole receiver situation as a whole. I think this offseason has made it a little bit worse just because, you know, I think the Eagles were banking on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside having a really good offseason to figure out how to play other positions and, you know, just rebound from his rookie year. And, yeah, if they can't rely on Rager, now all of a sudden you're looking at the same group you had last year um, with Alshon Jeffrey Hurt. And, you know, of course you added they had Mar- Marquise Goodwin and some other guys um, through the draft. Uh, as I wrote in the, in the newsletter that they have, I think it's 13 receivers on the roster for six tops spots, maybe five. Um, so, you know, I think that this has hurt it a lot. I mean, if you're going to rely on the veterans that you had last year, I mean, we saw how that worked for them, you know, whether it be injuries or just lack of production, um, you know, they're going to have to fill some of those spots and I'm not really sure how they're going to do it right now. I mean, if Jalen Rager is learning behind Deshaun, you know, Deshaun's got to play if he's healthy and, you know, if he's learning that one spot, the way that JJ was last year, that's going to be, it's going to be interesting because that means he's not going to be on the field right away. And they could really use that speed and, you know, just that change of change of pace from what they had last year. So it'll be really interesting to see how they figure that out. As much as they invested in the, in the wide receiver position this off season, they still don't have a guy that you could say, okay, he's going to be healthy. He's a productive guy in this league and we yep. can count him. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, Deshaun is going to be 30, he's 33, uh, missed most of last year. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, we, we don't know what's going to happen with him. I still don't believe we'll ever see him in Eagles uniform playing on the field again. J.J. Arcega, Whites, Arcega, sorry, Whiteside, uh, 
complete question mark. And certainly with the rookies, Marquise Goodwin may be the one. (laughs) But he's been hurt a lot over his career, too. This is a position that uh, the Eagles could upgrade. It could play, you know, in the long term, pay off for them. I don't know how much right away it will. Yeah, uh, clearly they went into this offseason. Obviously, nobody knew anything about COVID-19 in early January. And even up until March, uh, or even you could argue almost up into the draft, nobody really understood how much this was going to affect us. And the Eagles' plan clearly through free agency was to rely on the draft to fix this, you know, more than anything else. And this is just not a year where that was a good way to go. It's not their fault. But that just, uh, in so many ways, this is sort of breaking against them. The, the one big advantage they do have is they're, only, they're the only team in the NFC East that didn't change coaches. But in the situation with the wide receivers, the situation with the linebackers, uh, you could even look at the salary cap situation. Clearly, the Eagles were looking at that new TV deal and the fact that they're going to be like $50 million over the salary cap going the next year as, you know, okay, this will get us out of that problem. We'll have to part with a few higher price guys that are older, but we're not going to have to radically rework our roster. Now, you know, one of these things being negotiated in this uh, total, this, this uh, negotiation going on between the, the union and the NFL is what happens if the salary cap goes down like $50 million next year because the revenues go down uh, that much? Um, the, the union wants to amortize this over like a decade, and the league wants to do it over the next couple of years. And for the Eagles, that would be a, a very large hurdle if they had to take that kind of hit. Uh, you know, so it, it, this has not been – this. Uh, pandemic has not been kind to the Eagles uh, offseason plan in any way. I don't think. Yeah. Well, the one, the one, the one area that it, it has, the, 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 I think they have two advantages offensively. One is Wentz. I mean, they've got a veteran quarterback uh, compared to, I mean, even in Tampa with Tom, I know Tom Brady's an exception, but a lot of these, how would you like to be going to camp? in this situation with a, with a brand new quarterback uh, yeah. or, or, or one that's played one year. So that's a plus for them. And I think one thing that negates any problems and concerns about the wide receiver position are their tight ends, uh, their tight ends and Sanders as a, as a re- receiver in the, in, in the passing game. I think they're going to use that a lot. And I think, I think what we're going to see a lot of with, with Rager early on is him being used or, just get the ball in his hands, bubbles, jets, sweeps, things that he, that, that they, uh, and that, 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 you know, don't take a lot of understanding as far as what you're looking at from a defense and what kind of coverages you're facing. You just, you know, you just get him the ball and let him use his instincts. So, uh, I think that's, those two things are going to help their offense uh, going forward this season, right. assuming everybody stays healthy. Right. And what benefits them, obviously, is no turnover at the top of the coaching tree. But they, you know, they are bring. They have brought in a lot of different uh, voices on the offensive side, and and it's a complete mystery as to how the, you know they're going to assimilate uh, Rich Scangarella. Um, you know, Marty Morningweg is now back uh, in the in the uh, at the Novacare Complex. Uh, they've brought a couple other offensive-minded uh, coaches. Um, how is that? You know, how are they going to be implemented? 
these new elements into this, you know, into the overall offensive scheme, will it have any impact at all? Because you haven't really been able to get these guys on grass uh, and you'll only have a few, two weeks maybe of them in pads before the start of the season. Um, so all this, uh, you know, what we thought was the offense is going to look like for, potentially with these new voices. I wonder how much it's going to change and whether it's, you know, they're going to be able to take advantage of these, of these new offensive minded coaches. Um, that remains to be seen. Uh, but, you know, having Schwartz back certainly benefits them. They don't have to worry about a new defensive scheme there. Um, sure, Darius bringing in some new faces and Darius Slay. Uh, you know, Jalen Mills is, is learning a new position at safety. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> that's going to be something to watch as well. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you guys agree with me there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Real quick, so, I mean, I, I think obviously the listeners want to – look, I mean, this is – you know, I was around in 2011. I didn't cover the lockout as much as uh, uh, Jonathan Tamari, uh, my co-beat writer at the time, did. I focused more on the Eagles stuff. But what I noticed then was that a lot of people just didn't care <laughs> until everything was settled. And it seems that way with what's going on now. Uh, the interest obviously isn't going to be there until guys start the practices and, and we're writing about – them and practice observations and talking about the season. Um, but there's a lot that has to happen for that to even occur. And even, on, you know, we're talking about September. Do you guys, yeah. do you guys still, I want to gauge all your, all your, uh, your feelings on this. Do you think the season will start on September? I guess is it 10th. Uh, the chiefs are playing are hosting the Texans. Do you guys feel like it's going to happen? Yeah, I I think they can probably get to the starting line, Jeff. I'm just guessing. But I think one thing that I hear from a lot of fans on Twitter and and, and email and other way, when I see people, you know, when I'm walking around in my mask, um, it a lot of people just don't think this is going to ever it, – it's, it's going to start, but is it ever going to finish? You know, are they going to be able to play an entire 16-game season? And I think that's – one of the things that's going on in this negotiation we've been talking about is the way the CBA is written. The CBA didn't uh, allow for, you know, something like this. You remember every year we have a deal where there's a veteran who gets cut in the final cut down and they bring him back after week one when his salary doesn't have to be guaranteed for the whole season. Well, the, the owners are saying, okay, this is a special situation. If we play five or six weeks and have to stop the season, uh, we don't want to have to pay players for the whole year. And the Players Association is saying, wait a minute. You know, we have this agreement that says if you play week one, you get your season salary. So, you know, I, and I think that's a huge problem. And I also think the fact that, uh, you know, they're not really in a bubble like hockey and, and basketball are. Uh, and it's much more of a contact sport than baseball. I just think getting to the finish line this season is going to be – I just – I almost can't envision it, frankly. I, I will have to experience it to believe it. Yeah, and then you're talking about the numbers. I mean, we're talking about 53-man roster, 25 or, 50 or 15 or, you know, 20, whatever it is for hockey. EJ, what do you think? you think we'll be watching a football game? On the- um, <clears throat> I have my doubts about them starting on time. And also, like, like Les said, like midway through the season, I mean, what does it look like when three or four teams have – you know, a dozen guys who have been infected, you know, I mean, um, 
the, the, the biggest thing for me is that there is no bubble, you know, and like the NBA has had some success with this yep. bubble, this bubble model. And it seems like the NBA <clears throat> is the one that's like working with all these medical experts and they have this grand plan and they still aren't sure it's going to work, you know, in um, the NFL, it's just logistically impossible to do it that way. So, um, see, I have a lot of doubts about it. You know, I know that everybody wants football to be back, but I'm not sure, especially when you consider like we don't really know what the long term implications of having coronavirus are. You know, I mean, we all right. sort of just say like, oh, it's not a big deal if you know these guys get it, they'll be healthy. But we don't know what this will do to people two or three years down the road if they've been infected. So I think there's a lot that still has to be figured out. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say that they probably postpone the season. I mean, we don't know what it'll look like in November or December, you know, if it looks a lot better by then some people think it won't but um then maybe it's a late start and you know a shortened season but i don't know i have my doubts there's just so much that we don't know about this right now and there's so much that the nfl is sort of seems like they're almost just crossing their fingers and hoping that it'll work itself out but it hasn't i mean it's just gotten worse since they started doing that so um, so yeah yeah, I mean, I think, and or this is all conjecture, obviously. I think they'll they'll start on time, only because slowly but surely, you know, all of these idiots who have been refusing to wear masks are finally getting the message, and the mandates, and I I think the numbers are going to level. They're not going to go down a whole lot, but at least I think a lot of these surges are kind of going to uh, level off a little bit enough that uh, they're they'd be able to start the season assuming there's not a mass outbreak on on every team in the league i could see them playing a shortened season when you know we get to november and december and there's you know suddenly a a team's got nine players uh, that aren't quarantined uh but i guarantee you this league is going to play a super bowl whether it's next march or (laughs) april or may (laughs) they're they're going to finish this season in in some fashion um, just like the NBA and the and and the NHL have with with their seasons, I mean they could have just scratched them and and waited for twenty one twenty two or twenty twenty one, but they uh, uh, you know they wanted to finish that before they moved on so that they can get the TV money. So and I think the NFL will take the same tact. Uh, I I think the only thing you you might see is a shortened season, but uh, there will be a, a what they you know. A, they, they once played a nine-game season uh, during yep. a strike-shortened yep. year uh, in 82. So uh, it, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll figure out some way to have a finish line on this. Yeah, I think the biggest issue to me is is that they're, they're not in a bubble. They still plan on playing each game at each stadium. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about <clears throat> and, and to expect them to go home and to not – Mm-hmm. go out and eat out or, or, you know, or, or stay away from their families or I, and then the, they come back into the building. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like that's the, there's such a potential for, for, yeah. Uh, an effect yeah, that, that could run yeah. the entire locker room. Everything's uh, everything's so interconnected. I mean, you know, uh, these players have kids that are going to be going to school theoretically. That then are going to come back whether home whether they're asymptomatic or whether they have it, and 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 you know passing it on to players. So no matter no matter how well they try to navigate this, there are so many places where they could just get swallowed up. 
Right, because again, as we as we know, uh, asymptomatic carriers of the virus can pass it along, and mm-hmm. it's just it's a recipe for disaster. Um, and what happens, you know, when let's say Carson Wentz or Patrick Mahomes gets it? You know, the competitive balance of, of a, a game uh, is tilted severely towards the the team yep. that doesn't have a starting quarterback missed because of the virus and do, you, do does the league just say okay well that's just the that's just a tough break for for whichever team uh has a starting quarterback who got the bar i don't know you know uh, it'll be interesting wouldn't bet too many nfl games this year that's for sure <laughs> oh well stop the uh, <laughs> that won't stop a lot of gamblers um it'll be almost like having a quarterback get a concussion in the first quarter yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess you know, uh, just to go a little off topic here uh, and I'm, this isn't self-serving, but I do want the listeners and, and eventually we'll, we'll, t- we'll certainly write something about this, but le- just to let the know, let the uh, listeners know what the coverage of the team will be like this year, it's going to be vastly different. And, you know, w- there's going to be a limited number of reporters at practice uh, if and when it happens, we're, we're not going to be in a locker room this year. Uh, all all interviews will be done virtually. Uh, there, there won't be as many opportunities to talk with players and coaches and, and to be around them uh, at all. And which will cer- certainly affect the information that, that we get and, and are able to pass along to readers, you know, uh, I don't even know if we're going to be on the travel with the team and, and to watch the yeah. teams, even if they have them on the road, is it even really worth the risk if you're just going to have a virtual interview? Um, I wonder how that's going, how that's going to play out with fans. Um, look, I mean, yeah. I think a lot yeah. are, you know, care about attending games in person, but uh, this is going to distance them even further from, from knowing about the team and talking about football, which is what, what we're here for. Yes, I, I totally agree, and I, I think it, the coverage is going to be quite different. And uh, it's it, that's something that obviously fans might not be that tuned to right now. But I spend a lot of time thinking about is how we're ever going to get anything other than these, uh, you know, scattershot Zoom interviews where twenty different people have twenty different questions. How you develop a theme? How you talk to several different players about an issue? Uh, this is all, uh, I, I'm not optimistic that we'll be able to do this adroitly, frankly. Yeah. What do you think, guys? EJ? Um, I mean, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. I think that a big part of, especially Doug's press conferences is like that theme that Les just talked about, you know, like being able to follow up with things and sort of like play off of whatever it is that you know, was just asked and sort of getting more detailed answers on things because of the fact that you have that theme. So it'll be interesting just because, yeah, if everybody comes in with the, the question that they have for their story and, you know, it's hard to get follow-ups in and it's hard to, you know, develop that trend of, you know, a topic, getting more information on one topic as opposed to getting a little bit of information on 20 different ones. That's going to be, it's going to make things difficult. Yeah. Well, yeah. one thing, one thing I'm, curious about is i mean when you look at our situation where we have so many writers and so many columnists that are writing on the eagles on a particular day or during a particular week uh it's it's a lot of it is going to depend on the cooperation 
of the team to provide. I mean, they could provide as many players on Zoom interviews or phone calls uh, as they want. I mean, it's not hard. I mean, I, I go back to the days when when you could call it, uh, you know, a team you the team you covered were, was playing and ask them to have a player call you at a certain time. And, and he would. Uh, but, you know, those are bygone days and teams are going to use this as an opportunity to be as um, I'm not going to say uncooperative as possible, but they're going to they're not going to go out of their way to make players available. Uh, and that's going to make our job more difficult. Well, uh, I, you know, I think fans obviously would, would be willing to, just as I am, I'm willing to kind of sacrifice that to have football to write about this year. Yeah, and sure. I, yeah, are, are willing to, you know, not have to, not be able to attend games. Um, I, I look, I know that there are a lot of fans who, who said that they're not going to watch football um, for that reason alone. I've heard that. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. We have, uh, I guess, Tuesday, when the rest of the roster is slated to report to the Novacare Complex, they'll all be tested for COVID-19, go home, I think quarantine for five days, return, and then take another test. And this is what's happening. The rookies right now, and I believe the quarterbacks and injured players report today, and they'll, they'll go through that five-day process as well. I, the team is going to be very difficult to find out who has the virus or doesn't uh, well, I, I believe at least during well i mean I, this is during the season because i, I think they're probably going to approach training camp the same way they do uh with covid with as they do with injuries which is really they don't have to tell you anything uh but once yeah. the season once the season starts i believe there's going to be a an official list of players that tested positive i mean they will make that public it's not going to be a a hipaa situation uh, I believe there's going to be a separate injury list. My understanding is, anyway, that there would be a separate okay. injury list that would include people with that are uh, being quarantined because of COVID. Yeah. Huh. But it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, though, in the injury report. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> and how, well, you know, everything's connected. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Andy started off his interview and just kind of slip in there a COVID-19. <laughs> Like you did with Jerome McDougal, gunshot. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think we've touched on all the major topics, guys. Uh, thanks for joining uh, for, I guess, maybe our inaugural uh, podcast, Bird's Eye View podcast of the 2020 season. Uh, hopefully there is a 2020 season. And hopefully we talk eh, probably about a week or two, I guess, when we hear a little more about what's happening in terms of the players and whether they're there and actually <laughs> doing things. Um, so thanks, Damo, EJ, Les. It's been fun. Good to talk to you guys. And you yeah. all sound like those masks. It's really amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this is the Birds, Birds uh, Eye View podcast, and we'll talk to you as soon as possible. Bye now. Take care. Bye-bye.